Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode 98. We've been away for a while, but we're back and there's loads to talk about. England have the internationals kicking off fairly soon and there's been a lot of change in the Southern Hemisphere. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2019. Hey guys, uh, welcome back again. Apologies, it's been a, been a bit of a hiatus since we were last uh, on air, but um, we're back now. We won't make excuses. Um, lots has happened since we were last, uh, since we last brought you an episode. So I'm joined as always by Dan. Uh, hi, mate. Hi, buddy. Yeah, it's been a, there's been a hell of a lot happened. It's a shame uh, we just kept missing each other, didn't we? But there's a lot to discuss today. There is. Um, and uh, as always, these days, we're starting to get a bit more um, feedback from our listeners. So we've got a few comments and reviews to, to kind of start the episode with. Um, first up, uh, and I believe he's contacted us on Facebook as well, but Linus Hector. Um, I think he's been in touch before, yeah. but he emailed us. He said, uh, it's quite an interesting one. He said, um, a quickie about Henry Slade. You discussed Henry Slade again last week, which is probably a few weeks ago now. Uh, and you talked <laughs> yeah. about an unbalanced midfield. Um, so he's sharing his thoughts uh, on that. He says, um, first off, Slade is a 13. It's where he plays for his club and he hasn't looked good playing at 12. Secondly, if you play him outside Ford or Cipriani at 10 um, and Farrell at 12, it'll be... It's just too many ball players, too many kind of, you know, game managers, if you like. Um, you need one of the centres to be a runner and the other one to be, uh, you know, with speed and footwork like a Joseph or even potentially a daily, he says, uh, which is what I've obviously wanted to see for a while. And then one with power, a Manu or a Tio. Um, so he's saying if uh, if you're going to play Slade, you need Tio or Manu at 12 and then Ford, Cipriani or Farrell at 10. And he says, to prove this, um, this was interesting, Slade's best England game to date was in a World Cup warm-up in 2015 with Burgess at 12. Obviously, yeah, irrelevant of who was where outside him. That was his best game, playing at 13 for England with a with a sort of a crash ball man inside him. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't sway my opinion about whether Henry Slade should be in there, even though he is playing well at club. Um, but it's a fair point, like if he's... You know, if you're going to judge him on how he plays out of position, it seems a little harsh. So, I, I feel like it's a bit late to be trying things out now. Um, but it's an interesting. Yeah, I point. mean, so so he he's saying what if you're playing playing Slade at thirteen or twelve? Sorry, I... no. So I think he's saying if you're going to play Slade, you need to play him at thirteen, and then you need a Manu yeah. or a Tio at twelve. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure. I like. I think it's a really fair point, and what he points out, I think, is good. But I think I'm not sure. I entirely agree. Um, I, I think you can have ball players at 12 and 13, but Slade then needs to. He does need to be making the breaks. I I personally don't think that Farrell Slade is the right combination. So I kind of agree with him. Whereas I'd quite like to see a sort of a Manu there with Slade, because I do think that would definitely complement him well. So actually, his point is fair, saying if it's Slade, you must have yeah. um, well, Manu think, or something. So, you know, yeah, he, sorry, he's backed fair. it up with an interesting piece of evidence in, in that his best game to date for England was in that kind of setup, admittedly with Burgess at 12. But, you know, back then we all thought he was the, the unsung hero. Um, 
but nevertheless, it was a it was a kind of a crash ball man at twelve, and then a ball player outside him at thirteen in Slade, uh, and that was his best game in an England shirt. So it's 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 interesting, you know. There is evidence to back up that theory, and I kind of like that. I you know I like the idea of breaking it up. You know, have the the extra ball players, but push them a little wider. Have someone in the middle that breaks it up, rather than kind of going, let's have three fly halves in a row, and then have someone who can crash through or whatever, or two fly halves, and and so yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, I I think it's, it's a very good point, and. Actually, this this uh, Linus as well. And um, thanks very much for getting in touch, mate. He's from uh, Sweden, all the way from Sweden. So glad we're spreading continental. And um, he also said, if we were to have one player from another team, international team, to play for England, who would you pick? Interesting. He said Aaron Smith. Okay. So, for, firstly, I think when he sent it, I think that was a fair point. If I was to go down the nine route, I think I'd go Faf de Klerk now. I, I would too, and I would go down the nine route. I think that's one position where uh, I just don't think we, you know, you got Danny Kerr who has good games, but he hasn't been involved for a while. He's back in the he's back in the uh, in the fold again now. It seems um, Ben Youngs, who's just you know they, they've always just been Ben Youngs and Danny Kerr. There's nothing new there. Um, and I and we we know that when a fly when a scrum half sorry has you know the game of his life it turns the entire game and just looking at the way Fafter Clerk's been playing like I just think he would be really really uh, valuable if we had him in England shirt but of course we're the England rugby pod and we back our boys and Fafter Clerk's not available so yeah I mean I I, I do agree that nine and Fafter Clerk is definitely up there the other one I'd look at is maybe in Izzy Falau at yeah. fullback. I don't think we've got the fullback sorted yet. And he is, I mean, as a person, he's a bit of a bell end, but as a rugby player, he's immense. So, a bit of. I, yeah, I would, um, yeah, yeah, he's an absolute tool, but um, as a rugby player, he's, he's a genius. So I think I'd probably go Falau. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah. That, it, I, I guess my my gripe is that I don't you know I think we have better better fullbacks in England than we're using you know we've talked about good good um, I, he's playing so well for Saracens and I know I, that I'm the first to say you can't judge someone just by the way they're playing for their club but I don't know I feel like Eddie Jones got rid of him right at the very beginning of his tenure and he's just never given him another shot and the, and the reasons just don't make sense. All this stuff about too many, too many ball players uh, in the in the team, and every time he tries a new combination, it's adding another ball player somewhere else. So, yeah, to to me, I think that Goo, Alex Good needs another shot in an England shirt, and I don't think it's trying too much out. I, I definitely would have wanted to see him in the Autumn Internationals just to sort of say, you know. The proof is in the pudding, and if you, you've been delivering week in, week out, not just recently, but for the last two or three years, so what more do you have to do to earn a to earn a shot at, at representing your country? Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, and he's not the only player that we have uh, issues with in that respect. So I don't know. I, I'm sticking with Fafter Clerk. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. So what you were saying about uh, Alex Good. And here's something just sort of diversifying a bit. So Sir Clive Woodward, the only man to lead a Northern Hemisphere team to a World Cup victory, has said, and I 100% agree with this, 
you need your best players. Uh, you need them sort of on the field or around the field, you know, in the squad. And we're not doing that. I worry that Eddie is putting too much on sort of a cultural fit for the way he wants to play. But if the players are good enough, I don't believe there's any England player who can't adapt to Eddie's style but still be the best player. So Alex Good is a no-brainer for fullback if you're looking at form. Yeah. Um, I mean, Don Armand is a no-brainer to be in the squad. Sam Simmons would have been a no-brainer. He's injured now. I am I just don't understand some of the selections. Danny Cipriani, he 100% should be in the squad. I don't know that I'd start him, but I would. I want him there. He's, he adds so much. And I am getting a little bit... Some of the selections, I, I'm, I'm really baffled by if i'm honest yeah well so a couple of things here so talking firstly about danny cipriani um september premiership player of the season uh eddie jones has described him as a highlights reel um that's fair enough if that's your opinion and and i kind of understand where he's coming from you know there are these wow moments but when you have these wow moments literally every single week sure you've got to start going hang on a second you know, is describing him as a highlights reel not a good thing? And and if you're talking about uh, potentially having Owen Farrell at 10, um, is Cipriani not someone that would be really good to have on the bench so that when you want to move Farrell to 12 and mix things up, you're bringing on a highlights reel player to, to, to maybe change a game with 20 minutes to go? It seems yeah. to me like like everything that Eddie Jones, every way that Eddie Jones describes Cipriani just kind of almost cements him more as the guy that should be, at the very least, on the bench, you know, as one of the finishers. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm still quite confused about that one. I mean, George Ford has been playing well, but... but He's know. been brilliant. <laughs> but it's... George Ford is, <laughs> I, I don't think, ever going to be a, a finisher. And I, I mean, I would have the three of them in the squad because... You've got Farrell covering centres. I don't. I think mm. there's room for three of them. I, I, I am confused by. Well, you'd have three just, of them in the twenty-three, or three of them in the wider squad. In the wider squad, yeah. the, the, the matchday squad, which which, I, which, which they me. may well be, and and this is part of Eddie Jones's weird kind of game playing thing. But I'm talking twenty-three. Cipriani for me should be in the twenty-three. Yeah, I agree. I, I would have Cipriani in the match day squad. I, I mean, just, Cipriani can change a game. Well, exactly. So, so you know, that's got finisher written all over it. And if you want to describe him as a highlights reel, okay. Uh, if, again, finisher written all over it. Um, but I wouldn't have Ford starting with Cipriani on the bench and Farrell at 12. Because I don't think you've got room for all three of them on, in the 23. So, therefore, for, uh, Farrell goes to 10, Cipriani on the bench, or you start Cipriani. I think those are the options, really. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see whether or not Cipriani has been completely ignored, or or if there is some sort of game plan going on. And um, we actually we had a review from Budgie Jointed, who says proper pint with your mates pod five stars. Like sitting with your pals down the boozer talking about ruggers. Uh, Eddie Jones is on drugs, so <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what's going on. I like this man. I, I feel like I feel like I get on with him. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that review. Uh, it's Eddie's confused me. The other thing that 
I mentioned to you now, you, I think you don't necessarily agree with me on this, but John Mitchell is the defence coach. If you're the England defence coach, I want you based in England. I know that there's technology and things these days. I want him to be based in England full time. Um, maybe that's old fashioned. Maybe I'm being sort of naive there. But yeah, fair enough. I mean, why? A World Cup year, I want him to sit and be looking, like not necessarily the players, but with the other coaches, looking into their, the whites of their eyes every day as they're discussing tactics and really being. Uh, yeah, sort of I, I, see, as a player, I kind of get that. But as a coach, as long as you're there when the team's together. I, I'm yeah. not convinced that that you know the the coaches are sitting around the room s- staring at each other, psyching each other up to decide what they're going to do in the next training session, which is going to be in a month's time. You know, I don't know. I I, I don't feel like that's a major a major thing, uh, other than perhaps a psychological. You know, is he dedicated enough? Which I, I'm sure he is. You know, when when we start seeing him not rocking up for training sessions because he's busy in in South Africa, then then sure, that's that's a problem. But as long as he's there with you know with the players every time there's a game I'm, I'm okay with that yeah I see what you're saying here's my I think my biggest issue with it I want him week in week out going to those games watching the England players live I don't want him just to be watching it all on video and just watching the rerun on tv I want him sort of every week like going to watch Saracens play so he can see how Owen Farrell is defending in person for argument's sake how Maratoje is defending in person Rather than just watching it, I think you lose something. Yeah, no, that's a fair, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, so well, th- there you go. You've heard it here. So you need to you need to change things up. You need to get over here. Yeah, uh, I think and, uh, is clearly the uh, the message. It's um, it, it was just something surprised, and I know we're dotting about. Sorry, we've got a lot to uh, a lot to cover from what we've missed, but it, it's just there's a few things that have just. Uh, of recent, um, just to concerning me a bit, I actually don't think we're in as bad a place as a lot of people are making out. I, I still think we've got an incredible squad, and I think some of the guys are really playing well. Uh, well, I, um, 100%. I mean, the, 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 this is probably a good place to to bring in our next review. Um, it, it's from someone we've heard from before a few times, likes to chop and change. I think he's obviously not... Uh, He's obviously not had much attention for a while, so he thought, let's uh, let's give him a bad review and see if I can get loads of attention again. But uh, good old Wade Ackford, uh, he's back. His his one star that became a four star is back to a one star. And he says, gentlemen, very sorry and expect a backlash from listeners, uh, but you are back to clueless. England are in terrible trouble and you should be calling it out. England's form has been terrible. Six defeats in a row, marginally rescued by a dead rubber win over the box. Learning from defeat is not a strategy to win the World Cup. Where is the power forward game and is there a breakdown strategy? Do we have any clarity on the back row composition apart from praying for a fit Billy? Who is the number 10? Please give us a clear view, Big Dan. Captain, any clue? Wake up and call it. England is uh, England in a shambolic situation. Call Jones out. He is making Trump look balanced, wise and competent. Let's get the discourse on and get ready to rumble. Good luck, WD. Um so, uh, so I, I I believe he asked a big down here, but don't worry. Let me uh, let me feel this one, and then I'll. Uh, so wait, I don't actually disagree with some of the stuff that you say, but your last message was after England beat South Africa, and you said things are looking up. It's going great. 
Now England are playing shambolically. They haven't played a match, dude. <laughs> they haven't played a game since then. Fair enough, there might be rumblings and press stuff, but we haven't had one more game. So you went from positive to negative with nothing happening in between. <laughs> I know. The, the, the whole the whole point of breaking up a losing run is that you then hopefully don't continue it. Um, you know, he may end up being completely right, but equally he may be completely wrong. Uh, you know, the Autumn Internationals is the first time we're going to get an opportunity to see whether or not England has turned anything around. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it's a it's a bit uh, naive to kind of jump on the bandwagon and you know doom and gloom and you know they're rubbish and they don't know what they're doing and you know they're not publicly telling us their strategy they're not publicly discussing all the ins and the outs we're all going to find that out at the same time when the squads get announced and then when the autumn internationals get underway um so I, yeah i think it's a bit early to be to be making those sorts of calls now and we have covered an um, awful lot of what he's talked about as well you know we've talked about the captaincy we've talked about 10 on a regular basis we've talked about the back row and what we want to see and what we are seeing and what we expect to see you know i'm not sure what else we can do so i i think actually i think we're blame i think we've misrepresented ourselves here so wait just to clarify again and you know we're not england rugby players we're not england rugby coaches we actually are just huge fans but we have no involvement with with England. So, although I appreciate your points, and I think they make a good point, but one star for us, we're, we're not England. Unfortunately, we'd love to be. But yeah. um, five, five stars <laughs> from Wade if England win. One star if they lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid we have a very limited uh, sort of say in, in that from our from our end. So, mate, you make some good points, Wade, and it, it's fair enough. But. Uh, you know, just to clarify, we are not uh, part of the England rugby setup. To be fair, it seems that uh, the other ninety-nine percent of our listeners do get that, and that's why we have so many five-star ratings. So we really appreciate those guys um, and keep them coming. Um, obviously, the uh, the one stars are always a bit of a bit of a downer, uh, bring down our average scores. But um, you know, take that one out of the equation, and uh, things are looking good. Um, okay, so just moving on slightly, um, I just want to quickly take a look at the southern hemisphere so a couple of things firstly sam kane is out for the autumn tests obviously that's uh, i'd say it's good news for england uh, new zealand have the ability to to field numerous players and, and not see a huge change but obviously he's a pretty key member of their team obviously on, on the, the bad news there is that it's a fractured neck bone uh, which is obviously not yeah, ideal so no you don't want injuries like that so obviously wishing him a speedy recovery hopefully you recover just in time for the end of the autumn internationals, um, but uh, yeah, so he he is not going to be taking part in that. Now the the other one, the big the bigger news, Australia against Argentina. Obviously, Australia had not been playing particularly well, um, so this was a big game for them. I think this was actually to stop them coming in last in the championship. Um, the halftime score thirty one seven to Argentina. I mean, yeah. Teams, you you would think, don't come back from that. But they did. 35-44, the final score, Australia win. So, I mean, I think apart from anything else, that's a record comeback. I don't think anyone's ever come back from from anything like that far down. I think it was the second highest. I think think there was one Fiji Tonga or something. Oh, was there? Okay, well, it's up there. Um, But actually, what I want to look at here is the points conceded. 79 points. 
were were conceded across the two sides. Now, to me, an international game, you know, the, the, the best players in the world at the top of their game, defensively, that's awful, isn't it? I, I mean, I know it's fun to see all these tries, but I don't want to see 79. I mean, part of me wants to because it's good to watch, but I don't think that's what you should expect from international rugby. It should be closer than that. T- yeah, tight, well, I mean, tighter than that, you, you know the, the score, the, the you know the nine point deficit, the nine point margin. Fair enough, but I don't know seventy nine points is just crazy, and that to me just screams poor defence, and and that to me is also that's opportunities for us for the for the Northern Hemisphere teams, but you know specifically for England to say, well, hang on a second, these teams are bleeding points, so yeah, they're dangerous in attack, but clearly they're not very strong in defence. So. I, I would argue that rugby as a whole is going this way. You look at the premiership schools well, yeah. and they are. Can, um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah no, I can hear you. I was, I'm agreeing. I, I think you, you're, you're making a good point that yeah, the premiership is going that way as well at the moment with, with crazy score so, I think the attack in world rugby has evolved a lot quicker than the defence has. So whoever can solve that defence issue is going to put their team in a hell of a position. Well, that's, so. what, that's what I mean, yeah. You know, we've seen England doing, doing you know, awesome things in attack. Um, but it seems all all teams are now able to do that. Defence defense surely is, is what's going to win games. It's what's going to win the World Cup. Um, I think it's a huge thing. So, Mitchell, that time you're saving not on planes, <laughs> please you have to uh, come up with a defence strategy and uh, make sure that we can... Uh, have the tragedy because the attacks these days are so they're so well organized and they're so uh like the dummy runners like the throw behinds and just being able to get it out wide and attack from all things i mean it, it's very hard for the defense um and the attacks are brilliant but if somebody can solve that from a defensive issue i think that team could have a very good chance in the world cup so john mitchell there's your, there's your job mate well i think that that's got to be the key the key thing that we're looking at uh, for these autumn internationals, is you know I, I feel like the attack is easier to uh, to, to kind of evolve, um, but if we can get the defence sorted, if we can if we can prevent you know South Africa, Australia, New Zealand from running in countless tries, I mean I know it goes with kind of goes without saying, but if we can manage that, then I think we put them under huge pressure because they've shown that they can't manage it, you know, in reverse. They can they can score one more than you, but they can't stop you scoring. So it'll be in, it'll be very interesting. And, and you know, England have notoriously had a very strong, me, a very strong defence. So if we can get back to to, to kind of having that that defence coupled with an attack we know that we're capable of, I think you know they can still be an incredibly dangerous team. And all this talk about how they don't know what they're doing and they're like headless chickens and you know they're just going backwards it's 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 not true I, so it, it gives me a lot of hope seeing things like this seeing these big score lines it, you know New Zealand South Africa is another one you know uh, and and again it, it's good for the rest of the world to see that once again okay New Zealand won uh, and they did very well but you know they won it with the final kick of the game almost um you know it was a very close match so once again they've come under a lot of pressure 2 weeks ago against Argentina um you know they they won convincingly if you looked at the scoreline. But I watched the game and Argentina had loads of opportunities. You know the, the defense was not good on either side. Um, so again, New Zealand showing that yes, they have that ability to dominate in attack. 
that you know if you can if you can defend it, they, they don't you know they're gonna they're gonna leak points to the opposition as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the All Blacks and and don't get me wrong, listeners, guys, we're we're not taking anything away from the All Blacks. They are an incredible rugby team, but no, they're the best they team in the world being, right now. But South Africa should have won that. South Africa lost that game. They should have shut that out. And um, they, they they lost that. I mean, they, they should they could have they had opportunities to finish it off. And I'm not saying from this match, but it's something else that's just really bugging me. So I thought I'd bring it in here. Please, please, England. I'm not saying you're not doing it. If you've got a chance to take the points, take the points. Yeah. You, you know, with a reason. If you're, I really don't understand when I'm going to games and watching games when people have a fairly easy three points and they don't take them. It it just seems insane to me. Build the score. Yeah, well, we've talked... I mean, we, we don't know yet what Eddie's going to do, but we're, we're assuming that Dylan Hartley is the England captain um, just because, you know, you don't really want to be chopping and changing the captaincy. And, and I do genuinely believe that with Dylan Hartley at the helm, Owen Farrell is much happier being told, Owen, is that in your range? Three points, please. And so we, I think we'll see a lot less of the kind of the crazy decisions to go for corners um, when points are on offer. I think Dylan Hartley's got a wiser head on his shoulders and will be someone who's more inclined to say, yeah, we'll have a breather. You kick us three points. And he will build that score. Yeah, I, I hope so. And and, and I think I, I think England will will do that and play like that because it's, well, we've seen it in absolute nightmare circumstances when uh, Rob Shaw against Wales in the 2015 World Cup decided to go for the corner. Yeah, I mean, those sorts of things are, you know, they're always remembered when they don't work out. Um, you know, but but yeah, the reality is, is that if you build, 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 you don't need to have those situations where you're going, oh, do we need do we need to go for the corner? Uh, and, you... and do you know whose fault it is? Do you know whose fault it is that um, people don't take the points and they go for the corner? It's Eddie Jones's fault. Because, which is now turned into a movie, when Japan were playing South Africa, um, they went for the corner to get the try to win. And uh, they did. And they won. And it was an absolute miracle and a great victory. And I mean, now everyone saw it. Yeah, and they're I mean, copying. There is a time to go for the corner, you know, when you need a try to win. You know, when when the clock doesn't have enough time on it for you to to potentially kick three penalties. Um, but when that isn't the case, and when it's earlier in the game, and when you're when you're building your score, and when you're just trying to create pressure for the on the opposite, you know, put pressure on the opposition, it, it should never even come into the equation. You know, last ten minutes, maybe there's a decision to be made. Yeah, I, but but even I even to, you know two minutes before half time, uh, and a penalty puts you two points behind in in you know instead of going for the corner to get ahead, uh, that it's more valuable. Take the points, take the points. With ten minutes to go, if things are looking like you know there isn't time left on the clock to 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 win, if you take the points, then maybe there's a decision to be made. But um, I think up until up until that sort of point, you you just yeah take every opportunity to put points on the board. And Clive Woodward said it over and over and over again in 2003, and it's it was well, you know, throughout his his whole kind of tenure. Um, and it, 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 England played that game plan and built scores every time. You know, Johnny Wilkinson. We, when was the last time we saw a drop goal? You know, with Johnny, it was like every time he got the ball within about 40 meters of the line, it was you know that was on. 
yeah, it helps if you've got a Johnny. What? So what? With the amount of analysts these days um, looking at all aspects of rugby, I would love somebody to actually say, when you go for the corner, this percentage of the time you don't score because more often than not, a lot more often than not, it's not. So at least people know. So they'll say, if we go for the corner, statistically, there's only a twenty percent chance to score and get seven points, whereas if we kick the goal, there's an 80% chance we'll get three points or whatever. So I'd like the players to have that information. Maybe they do. Yeah. But but I, I, I think I think looking at looking at uh, the South Africa tour and Farrell and the decision making that, that where, you know where, where this is kind of all kind of coming from, I, I do think that as the captain and the kicker, you have the added pressure of you're making a decision for the team, and if you don't then deliver. It's kind of all on your shoulders. Whereas I think for a captain to say to the kicker, I, I'm making the decision for you. I want you to tr- attempt three points, knowing that there's a chance you may not get them. You, you, as the kicker, you can just focus on doing your job. Whereas I think Farrell is in, the, in that situation. And yes, he's a professional. And yes, he's going to do the right thing. But it, psychologically, it's there. Uh, back, of the, you know, back of the mind. It's If I decide to go for the posts and miss... I've kind of taken it all on my shoulders and I've said to the to the other 14 men on the pitch, I've got this, lads. And then if I don't deliver, I'm letting the side down. So actually, if I go for the corner, you know, there are there are 15 of us responsible for trying to convert points. So I'm not saying that's a conscious decision, but I think psychologically that, that that's a, a factor. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's better for your captain not to be a kicker. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I, I, I don't want the captain to be the kicker. Um, but... It's, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is a tough one, but I, I just, I truly believe in the whole build your score, you, you know, keep the board ticking over. As much as anything, it's, you know, if you're three points ahead and then you get things, suddenly it's six points ahead. So you're over a try ahead. It's just, you know, you're constantly sort of wearing people down. You're, when, when you, every time you go there, you're coming back with something, whereas otherwise you could end up spending 20 minutes in, your opposition's 22 and get absolutely nothing from it. And that in itself, I think, is sort of morally quite disheartening. Yeah. I think it's definitely the right call. And and also, you look at these Southern Hemisphere games and you look at, you know, they're high scoring, but they're always quite close. And that building yeah. of the score, that's the difference. So even if the defences aren't going to step up and even if, if tries are, are being scored for fun, if you're also ticking the scoreboard over with your three-pointers whether that's drop goals or penalties, there's a good chance that you're the one coming out on top. Uh, mate, I, com- I completely agree. But anyway, moving on from that. So when we were talking about it, Joe Marler uh, retiring from international rugby. Um, so when it first came out, I must admit I was sceptical. But actually having heard interviews, I think it is genuinely... He like he wants to spend more time with his family, and that's quite frankly like none of our business. Good luck to him, all the best, and thanks very much for your time. My only question is, if England had won every match this year and everything was going rosy, I wonder whether that decision would have still been made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's asking for us to speculate on on you know, what's going on in his home life, which I don't really want to do. Um, but but I think, yeah, it's easy to say that that 
if everything was rosy, possibly he wouldn't have made that decision. But that would then assume that the decision is not being made for the reasons he's telling us. And so if we're going to accept, oh. do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with no, that wouldn't make a difference. I'm going to say that his reasons are genuine and they're family related. And it's quite possibly his missus has said, you're way too much. You've got young children, they're growing up too quickly, you're missing out. Or maybe he's he's identified it. You know, maybe he's come back from a tour and, you know, his kids are doing things that they weren't doing before he left and he missed it and he's just thinking that, you know, this is more important. Which is which is yeah. absolutely fair enough. And and I hundred percent believe him with his thing. I just I, I think it was more saying if it's a winning team, your 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 mentality is slightly different. So it's in I think that's probably, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a a fair comment for for any side. You know, winning breeds winning and and everyone wants to be part of a winning team. You know, no one wants to be part of a team that constantly loses. So, yeah, it's it's definitely going to create a a better atmosphere. Um, But, uh, but yeah, whether or not it would have made a difference to his decision, we'll we'll never know. Yeah, and, and I wonder, I just, in the back of my head, I suspect Joe Marler will pull on an England top again at some point. Think. Whether it's after this World Cup, he's still quite young. Um, whether it's after this World Cup, whether it's even before the World Cup, I just have a suspicion that um, we we haven't seen the end of Joe Marler in an England top. I hope not, because I think he's a brilliant player. But if we have great career and you know, well done, brilliant player, and you know, thanks very much for. And you know, he's not retiring from rugby. He's continuing to play for for Quinns. Uh, and like you say, you know, you just you see what happens if he if he goes on to 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 become, you know, one of the Premiership's best players. Maybe things change again, like you say. So you know, watch this space. But uh, but you know, f- respect for the for the decision that he's made. And, and as you say, you know, great career. Thanks for your thanks for everything you've given to to England. And and um, you know, hope that your Decisions are, are, you know, ones that let you get more out of whatever it is you want to get more out of in life and that you're happy with them. Yeah, and I'm sure he is. Right. I don't think there's anything else particularly England-related that, that we need to go into further. Well, when's the squad announced? That's imminent, isn't it? Um, yeah, uh, when is the squad announced? I mean, actually, uh, Nathan Hughes was just cited. He he could be in trouble for the autumn internationals. Not that I'm, nece- not that that's necessarily a major thing because I'm not convinced that Nathan Hughes is the right man. Well, Sam Simmons is out injured. Pro- actually, Sam Simmons may even miss the World Cup because of injury. Well, that's true. Although he's not even in the squad, so yeah, he wasn't in the training squad, so. Uh, hopefully he, hopefully uh, Nathan Hughes won't miss out because I think he. Uh, who who would you have instead? As a replacement for eight. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. <laughs> Just I, bank I, on Billy being fit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, just to make Wade, just to make Wade feel better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just bank on Billy. I mean, and and I'm hopefully Billy will be, and I'm sure he will. And it was great to see Manu um, back on the pitch again this weekend. 
So he's he hasn't had a bad injury. When he was pulled from the squad, my first thing was, oh, oh no, dear. Again. Yeah, no. Again. yeah, no, but, he, he's um, back. And Ben Young's, who also had a little bit of a niggle, he's back. So they're, they're both good. Um, so I'm sure we'll see them involved in the Autumn Internationals. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Billy is looking strong. Uh, he's obviously playing well. If he's fit, I don't think you know, he's an 80 minute man. So, uh, but they will need they will need options. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do. I mean, I guess there's this is where it'll be interesting to see whether or not Robshaw is is still involved because actually that, that so that's something. So obviously Quinns this weekend just came up short of uh, of beating Saris. And there was a lot of talk about Robshaw, the workhorse, how he was, you know, putting in more tackles than anyone and playing brilliantly, and you know, no one works as hard as him. And I don't disagree with any of that sentiment. However, there was also the statistic that in the entire game, I think he made one yard with the ball in hand. And I just think yeah. the way that the game is played today, it's all well and good making your tackles, and everyone should be doing it. But you've got to be, make, you know, if you're a back row player, you've got to be making yards. You've got to be carrying. And I'm not sure England can afford to have a player that only makes tackles. The game's changed too much. Yeah, I, I agree. You, you need It does need to be a more rounded player. And somebody actually just popped to mind who's doing that and doing that well is Zach Mercer at Bath. Yeah. And he's obviously been in and around the squad. We've never seen him. Why Did he play down in Argentina? Probably. I, I think he's, he's definitely had some England game time. And I watched him a lot at the... 21s and I did I know it's a different thing but he was the standout player in well in the world for under 21s I I think Zach Mercer is going to be an absolute legend of England rugby by the end of his career uh, I don't disagree with you I think you know he's he's shown that he's got that sort of in his locker hasn't he um yeah it's it's whether or not he breaks in before the World Cup, or whether it happens in the next sort of the next batch, um, but you know he may he may need to be brought in. Uh, you know he he may be required. Um, just trying to yeah, think who, who are the other options. Back row options. We've got. I mean, we don't always seem to be picking them all, but we, we back row is not looking bad. I mean, at seven you've got. Sort of Curry and Underhill, yep. but also Kapitic is playing brilliantly. I don't think he'll be in the squad, but I'd love to see him sort of there thereabouts. Um, six, you've obviously got sort of Rob Shaw. Well, you've got loads, haven't you? You've got um, Rob Shaw, Shields, Shield. Haskell, and um, yeah, even someone like a Simmons and Zach Mercer. So, you know, you've got lots of different options. I'm not sure where they'll go. And then eight, you would say you've got Billy, Nathan and Sam Simmons, but actually two of them might not be available. Well, yeah, so actually yeah, what what yeah, what is the what is the solution? Well, I think that could be a solution at eight. Yeah. Um and then at six, I mean, I I, I just don't understand why Don Armand's not there as a as a potential six. Um but yeah, there's there's a lot of good back row players there, and and I think I I think we're we're fine. I think this is the thing. Whereas, yeah, we wear rose tinted glasses, but we never pretend we don't. But if you look at all our players, we've got great players for every position. I just want us now to figure out who's going to be in those positions. 
yeah, I mean, it, it it is a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah, we don't we don't have a a kind of an obvious twenty three. I mean, I guess you know with someone like Joe Marler stepping down, that makes one decision easier. Um, but there, yeah, there, there are multiple options. Kind of, there aren't that many players that you absolutely ink in as you know they own that position. Uh, even even someone like an Owen Farrell, we can't seem to make up our minds about whether he's a ten or a twelve, despite knowing he's definitely in the team. Um, yeah, he's he's inked in to be on the pitch. It's just at what position? Yeah, but I guess you know that that's that's where we are now. We've got the autumn internationals. Hopefully we come out of the other side of the Autumn Internationals with a much clearer idea. We go into the Six Nations next year as that kind of final final flurry, um, you know, with with that kind of 23 clearly in mind. And then we're into, you know, World Cup run-up. So I, I, think, I think this is one where we need to kind of withhold judgment on, you know, in terms of our concerns over this until the Autumn Internationals have played out and we can see where things... Where you know, see the lay of the land. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like we were saying, and actually, what we sort of mentioning about to to Wade earlier, we have a, the last game we played, we won. We we are on a winning streak. Let, let's not yeah. write England off. Yeah, there's been decisions that you know us as fans don't agree with, like with players being left out, and and there definitely are decisions I don't agree with, but we can't judge until we see them. You know, when they play South Africa next, which I can't remember if it's the 3rd or 4th of November, but that's when we... Well, you know, to describe the game as a dead rubber that didn't matter and so it's not, it doesn't count as a win. South Africa, you know, there is absolutely no question that they did not go into that game with a with a plan to lose. They wanted to win. You know, if anything, I think they would probably put more pressure on themselves to, to, to win that game so that they could send England home, you know, 3-0. Yeah. Um, it, uh, so that they were they were out to win. So yeah, it wasn't. It was a very different game. It wasn't as dry. It wasn't as much running rugby, which maybe suits suits the the northern hemisphere in England's style of play a little bit more by comparison. But the fact is, is that both sides went out there wanting to win. <coughs> um. So yeah, you know, like like you say, you know, a win is a win. It broke a, a losing streak, and you know a winning streak streaks starts with a win so you know let's let's reassess where things are in a few months time and and you know take it from there because uh, i'm sure we'll we'd, we'll be hearing a very different um story from old wade uh, if england come away from the the autumn internationals victorious yeah um so one quick question for you just to sort of counteract that if England lose three or four games. So if they beat Japan but lose the others, is Eddie Jones's job in trouble? Can you change something with less than a year to go until the, the World Cup? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't have the answer, mate. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't I, think it is. Uh, I guess. Uh, I, well, look, it, it's going to depend on the on the games themselves. Yeah, you know, if England lose to South Africa in a you know in a in a brilliant game of rugby where both sides are you know have given everything and they just miss out, and then they do the same thing against Australia and they, against Australia, given the way that they've been playing, that that would be disappointing. And then they do the same thing against New Zealand. You'd come away saying, okay, they lost three three out of the four games, 
But actually, they played better rugby in those three games that they lost than they have played, you know, in the last ten. Then I would say, you know, it does. It's not necessarily as much of an issue if they go out and they play badly and they lose the games rather, you know, rather than get beaten. Then that's a different story. But I think anyway, you look at it, it's going to be tough to bring in someone new with less than a year to go until the World Cup. And I'm not sure I'd want to. I, I, you know, I think for all his weird decisions and, and stuff, you know, Eddie Jones, uh, you know, has shown that he is capable of getting the best out of his players. It may not seem that way to us right now, but he did it for two years with England and they, you know, equaled the world record for win, win streak. So I don't think that can ever be overlooked. Yeah, we yeah exactly. I it's not what what I want to see. The main thing from this autumn is I want to see an England team that I watch an England team and think, yeah, we definitely can win the World Cup with that team. I believe that at the moment, and I want to see that, and I want to see progress. If we went into those matches, we were comprehensively beaten and outplayed in every part of the pitch. Then I'm really start. Then I'd start to worry. But I don't believe that will happen. Well, we've, we, know, we know that we've got the players for that not to happen. So if that does happen, then, yeah, there, there, there are there are big problems then. Um, and maybe maybe you have to make a drastic decision because maybe you have to say, look, these guys are are on par with the guys that they're playing against in, in the other aspects of their game and they're playing for their clubs. They don't seem to be able to do it in an England shirt. Maybe maybe you have to look to the top and make make changes, but um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm withholding judgment for now because I don't think it'll come to that. Um, I, I think yeah, we will I, see a, a reformed England, but maybe that is those rose tinted glasses we keep talking about. Maybe, mate. Maybe. Well, on that note, then uh, let us let us say adieu, and uh, and we will do our very best to try and coordinate our diaries a little better and start getting you these episodes out regularly, because I think it's been about three weeks since the last one, which is awful. I think it's the longest we've ever gone without putting an episode out. So we apologise for those of you that have been uh, have been looking out for a new episode from us. Here it is. Um, and we will try and get back to... Um, try and get back to winning ways. It's what we want from England. It's what, it's what should be expected of the England Rugby Pod too. Exactly. Uh, guys, as always, um, rate us, review us, hopefully more than one star. Uh, let us know what you think. Get in touch uh, and send us your questions at England Rugby Pod on social media, or you can uh, email us at englandrugbypod at gmail.com. Uh, it's always good to have your thoughts and your comments to discuss in our episodes. And, uh, and yeah, just spread the love. We've not got long to go until the World Cup, just over a year. Um, so we want all the uh, we want all the listeners we can get before then, because ultimately that's what we're that's what this this podcast is all about, following England to that World Cup. So. Um, Keep listening and uh, tune in next time. Thanks very much, guys.